Shelly Tegelski is a mindfulness teacher and community organizer based in South Florida. She dedicates most of her time to helping communities affected by gun violence and mass shootings. But then came COVID-19. Determined to help, Shelly launched Pandemic of Love, which matches people in need with donors willing to help. Having inspired over 100,000 matches and 500 volunteers so far, Shelly is proving that kindness is as infectious as the pandemic itself. Welcome to In the Business of Change, where we speak with social entrepreneurs impacting their communities and the world. I'm your host, Elisa Birnbaum, publisher and editor-in-chief of Sea Change magazine. I'm delighted to share that my book, also titled In the Business of Change, Profiling Social Entrepreneurs Around the World, is now available in audiobook format as well, with me as your trusty narrator. You can find it wherever you normally buy your books and audiobooks, including Amazon or on our website. On today's episode, we speak with Shelley Tegelski creator of Pandemic of Love. Since the pandemic began, every weekday at 2 p.m., I joined thousands of others for a live mindfulness session with meditation teacher John Kabat-Zinn. Aside from providing me with my daily dose of sanity, John introduced us all to Shelley, and I'm really grateful he did. In our conversation, Shelley shares what inspired her contagious initiative and how and why it's grown so quickly to communities around the world. We also discuss the celebrities who've joined the cause and what pandemic of love can teach us all about the power of community, caring, and one person's ability to affect change. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're a busy, busy lady these days doing wonderful, wonderful work, and we're going to get to that in a second. What I wanted to get to first is uh, I want to know a little bit about you and how you sort of got into this. So tell us a bit about yourself. A third of my time is uh, spent you know, in social justice organizations, uh, helping people build, activists build resilience. A third of my time is spent uh, in communities affected by mass shootings and gun violence daily, so communities like Baltimore and um, Liberty City, Miami, Southside Chicago, etc. And then a third of my time is spent, um, you know, just teaching in different capacities around the world and different uh, converse, sitting in different conversations, going to different conferences, teaching retreat, uh, and and being, uh, you know, somebody who is here for my community uh, that pre-pandemic was still meeting on the beach four and a half years later. Now we meet on the screen. Uh, until further notice. But um, our community now has over 15,000 individuals. Um, And when the uh, wave of the pandemic um, was nearing, meaning like all the closures, and it was just uh, inevitable, and and it was apparent that Florida was eventually going to start the shelter in in home process as well, um, I started to really just... uh, feel the, the the pulse of what was happening in my community here locally. People were scared. They were obviously concerned about loss of income, loss of, um, uh, you know, possibly shelter because they weren't able to pay rent. You know, this was before moratoriums or anything started bubbling up. And so um, that's when I just 
like sat around my kitchen table, just distraught looking at all of these text messages and, and what people were posting on social media on our community page. And I um, said, you know, I'm going to create a, a mutual aid community. I'll just create two sheets in Google on Google forms, give help, get help. Um, and I will put them out for my community. And I know there are people that are in our community that their lives will not be affected. They, you know, could shelter in house for the next five years and nothing will change about their life. Um, and, you know, and there are people that literally are living paycheck to paycheck and just, you know, can't even afford to go to the supermarket and stock up on supplies. Right. Yeah. So um, we'll make a shit off. We'll put them together. Like we'll do matchmake. You know, that's the best thing ever. So I put the, the forms up and um, I didn't call it anything. I just created a video like less than a 60 second video. And I just um, basically the premise was like, hey, you know, this is a mutual aid community. Mutual aid is a tenant. It's a principle of communities of care, which is what we talk about all the time. And, and certainly a, a big pillar of trauma informed mindfulness. Yep. And um this is an opportunity to see love in action and it can serve as a reminder that uh, the coronavirus or, you know, COVID-19 isn't the only thing that's, that's viral. Like positive things can be viral too, like hope and faith and love um, can be infectious, equally infectious. And so we can put that movement and that motion into the universe and create a pandemic of love. And that's eventually what, uh, this movement was called, uh, or is called, it's, uh, it was just a hashtag pandemic of love. And, um, and those forms, those original forms have been shared thousands of times now around the globe, um, to date. And it's been eight weeks. We have, um, over 150 communities worldwide. Our forms have been translated into, um, many different languages at this point. Um, we have over 550 volunteers around the country and around the globe. And, um, we have actually, uh, at some point tomorrow, I don't know when, but we're, we're like, click, click, click. We're like taking off, you know, and getting really inching closer by the hour. Uh, we will have made our 100,000th match between family for people in need and patrons that are willing to provide them with support. I saw when I went online that it, if you are in a community and you want to create your own sort of communal pandemic of love, there's even one, I'm based in Toronto, Canada, and I saw there was one there. And there's actually one in Vancouver as well, in uh, British Columbia, Canada. Um, so it's, how does that, how does it work? The concept of mutual aid in general is very simple. It's basically um, this notion that it's a formalized way of uh, creating a community of care. Usually, um, you know, like if you're a member of, let's say, a synagogue or a church group or even like a neighborhood association or, or any other type of a group, then you have community, but it's not formal. It's, for, it's not formal in the sense that like, if somebody is sick three doors down, somebody will sign up to go and get chicken soup to that person, you know, or so-and-so needs a ride to, because they don't have a car or somebody needs babysitting services. You know, there's no kind of formalized way. Um, so it's really through word of mouth, you know, social media certainly helps. Um, but, but again, it's not as formalized. So what mutual aid does is when you 
create a true mutual aid community or community of care. You're essentially just formalizing the process so that it makes it, number one, easier for people to ask because they have a place or a, a platform where they can say, hi, I'm Jane and I need this. And then somebody else can go in the sheets and say, I see Jane needs this and I can provide that. So I will just click off that I can do this. I will contact Jane and I will get this done. And, you know, and so it's this beautiful, like symbiotic ecosystem of, you know, an exchange of goods and services. In the case of Pandemic of Love, what we did is we realized, look, that we've got to keep this simple uh, because people need help like now and they need money. They need money and they need or and or they need some sort of way to purchase supplies and pay for their bills because those are the two most pressing things. And Lord only knows when the government will get the money. And many of them still have not received their, you know, funds. Uh, People have still not been able to file for unemployment in a lot of these states because the sites crashed or whatever the reason is. So we wanted to be able to provide relief. And so the way that it works is that you, there are two options. You can go to pandemiclove.com. You can click on the local community tab and see if there is a local micro community in your area. There may not be one. If there isn't one, you go back to the homepage or you scroll to the bottom of the page and you just fill out our national form. If there is no local community in your area, it doesn't mean you can't apply for help. You can still get help. You just go into a national queue and you may get paired with somebody from another state, you know, as opposed to somebody within your own state or community. And so you fill out a very basic form if you're a person in need and you indicate very clearly it's five questions. You know, who are you? Where do you live? Um, How do we get in contact with you? Uh, What do you need help with? And how much is that? you know, that thing you need help with, right? Or those things that you need help with. And the form for the people who want to give help is equally as simple. It's who are you? Where do you live? How do we get in contact with you? And how much are you willing to give? And how often? So, if and then if you check off, I'm willing to give, um, you know, help with groceries for a family um, and I'm willing to do it monthly or I'm willing to do it one time only, or I'm willing to, you know, do up to $100 a week or up to $100 a month. And what we do is then our volunteers, this is a a manual, painstaking method. There is no automation on this. Literally, the volunteers go into the sheets for the the get help sheets. They look line by line, read people's stories, what do they need, and then they find the match for them. And the match, we try very hard to also be sensitive to, oh, wow, this is like a single mom in Albuquerque. Here's another parent in Albuquerque. Like, let's match them because at the very least, they'll have that in common. And the idea behind this is not just to get people relief. I mean, that's a given. But the idea is human connection. Because what happens is, and what's been happening, and what we see time and again in the thank you letters and the texts and the posts that we see that tag us, is that um, obviously people appreciate the help that they're getting financially, but what people appreciate on both sides is the fact that they are seen and that they're heard, and that they feel like they've maintained their dignity and that they have this like integrity, there's an integrity in the process, 
and that a perfect stranger is willing to rise up and help them. And it, in many cases, I mean, I can't even tell you, we probably have thousands of emails with the line, restored my faith in humanity, you know? And that's such a beautiful thing. It's such a beautiful notion because I think that's what we're missing. And we were missing it before we were sheltering at home and not able to connect physically, right? But yeah. we have this, we've had this um, divide for years that's been growing wider and wider between like true human and emotional connection with people. And I think that this is such a great way for people to reconnect once again. Absolutely. So, and I was going to ask you what you sort of the takeaway, what, what you've learned from this whole process. Well, so for me personally, it's like, it's amazing to watch it unfold just because it reaffirms everything I've been talking about and teaching for the last four years and what I've been living and breathing and to actually get to see it in real life now <laughs> that it's not just like a theoretical thing, you know, you can like talk about it and teach theory and, you know, give people like structures and, uh, different templates, but to actually see this happening in real time is incredible. Uh, what it reaffirmed for me is the fact that, you know, I hear people say all the time, like, oh, what can I do? I'm one person. And it, this just has reaffirmed for me that one person can make a difference, that one act of kindness can set off a firestorm or, you know, a blaze, basically a forest of like, you know, kindness. And that if you actually take all of these acts of kindness and bring them together, look at this gigantic tsunami of love that we've created, you know? I noticed that there's, I mean, it's, it's gaining um, acclaim. It's gaining, uh, people are, are, are finding you, but you like celebrities. I mean, that's, that's, that's big, right? So would you, do you want to talk a little bit about a couple of folks who have um, mentioned you? Well, so, um, so I've actually been friendly with Chelsea Handler for the last couple of years. Um, she is a meditator and I met her at a, at a conference actually about mindfulness where she was a speaker and I was a speaker and we became friendly. Um, and she actually came to one of, uh, the retreats that I co-led with Sharon for gun violence survivors as well. So she spent four days with us at, uh, in Barrie, Massachusetts last summer. And, um, and she's been really incredible and wonderful and she's, um, posted about it and she's shared it with other friends. And so I think pretty sure that's how like busy Phillips found us and how Kristen Bell found us and how Deborah Messing found us. And so really they've just been, Deborah's been incredible. Deborah's personally, um, recruited so many of her friends, her network of friends. She sent out personal emails. They've become donors. They're so generous. She's been incredibly generous as well, and she's become a patron to several families. Um, Busy's been wonderful in in helping us um, with the our partnership now with um, the Water Warrior Project with Navajo Nation, um, and she's been able to uh, help us get uh, financially, basically backing for for the flatbeds that we need to rent and buy. Uh, so that we can transport barrels of clean drinking water to uh, the Navajo uh, natives who are in remote areas of the reservation that don't have access to water, clean drinking water, and they're sheltering at home and they have no running water, you know? So, so that that's just a recent thing, right? That you, did you want to mention that a little bit more? Last, uh, so last, I think it was like a week, last weekend, I don't remember anymore, time is a blur, but <laughs> very recently we partnered up with um, an individual named Zol Zani, who is a Navajo native that um, has been uh, delivering um, 
and trying to hustle to get like funding to buy, you know, empty barrels, fill them up with water and then take them out to uh, his extended family. Right. Um, and we uh, partnered up with him and we were like, well, like, let's break down the cost. Like how much is a barrel of water filled, delivered, if you factor like gas and everything else. And so we came up with like a hundred dollars and we're like, okay, so that's great. So if you go into the Navajo, the, our partner site, we have a partner tab on our website. You can actually go in and you can purchase uh, or fund or underwrite the cost of a barrel of water or a water tower or gas for the, for the truck or, you know, and we have like all these different options. So you're able to click on what you, um, what you want to fund and then you can directly uh, send the money to the Water Warrior Project with the information that we give you. Um, and then Zoel sends a photo of the barrel and the person that you, he delivered it to, which is so incredible and wonderful. That's lovely. So, and other partnerships like that also in the works? Yeah, no, we have a partnership now with a group of uh, Disney cast members that have been furloughed for the last two months. And so we now have a Disney theme parks and Disney cruise lines partnership. Um, and that's on our partner website. That's great. For so a furloughed Disney cast member. And if you're a family, if you're a family that has, uh, you know, somehow derive joy from a Disney park and you now want to help the people that have helped you derive those memories and joy, this is a great way to do it. Um, and we have a partnership with Keller Williams, which is a realty group uh, nationally here in, in the U.S. I'm not sure if they're in Canada or not, but uh, they basically um, uh, have a day of service every year called Red Day. And usually they'll do things like Habitat for Humanity or, you know, go do an ocean cleanup and things that they couldn't do uh, this year for obvious reasons. And so they decided to partner with us and their um, different market segments are basically adopting families in their local communities and uh, committing to them through through our, our mutual aid project. So it's, it's pretty incredible. There's all these different types of yeah. partners that we have, but... Um, it's evolving. Every day is different. We are um, learning on the fly as we go. Um, you know, like when we first started, like I said, we had two forms. I didn't have a website. The only reason I built a website was because the form was getting hit so many times on Instagram that Instagram decided to um, thought it was like a spam or a scam or something. And so they blocked my account. And I was like, what? So then I had to remove the link and build a website and I put the website up and I built the website at like midnight on Squarespace with like duct tape and like a wing and a prayer and a lot of wine. And, <laughs> and so now the website's like being looked at by like real people who like do this for a living so that we can make it more functional. That's great. Yeah. So it's like all of these things that we're just like learning as we go, but it also is a testament to the fact that you know, if it would have been backwards, if I would have stopped for a second to think and say, okay, let me figure this out. Let me whiteboard. Let me create a structure. How's this really going to work? You know, it could have been eight weeks later and we still would have had nothing. Right. So I yeah. think sometimes we just like, you know, get in our own way. And I think, I think if we just, um, you know, trust that we're, if it's something that's good and that's for the good of others and in service of others, that if we just kind of like 
move forward that we're going to uh, find the way, the right path. The tiles will appear as you keep walking. Thank you for listening to In the Business of Change. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to hear other conversations with inspired social entrepreneurs and change makers working on challenges in their communities and across the globe. I'm your host, Elisa Birnbaum.